Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. But more importantly, Father, we thank you, God, for who you are. You are omnipotent. You are magnificent. You are holy. You are amazing. You're not a self-help God. But you come to radically change and transform our thinking and our hearts. And today, God, we say you are holy and you are worthy. And Lord, I pray today that, God, you would bring a powerful dimension to the word of God today. That you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would break through the cloudy vision, the, the, the mindsets that we are carrying and walking in. And that you would illuminate our path today, that you would bring revelation of your word today. Father, I need your help. I need revelation in this area. I, God, want to go deeper with you. And so, Lord, today I pray that you would speak to our hearts and that you would bring revelation in a powerful, powerful way that would literally transform the way we do life. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In the powerful name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, uh, I just first off want to say um, thank you to Tom Preble. Pastor Tom is an amazing man. Can I have a witness on that? Um, His message last week, I know, uh, was a powerful message, and he's been sharing some things over the last several weeks that are principles of the Word of God that we have to get inside of us. And today's message that I'm going to share actually, if, if you misunderstand me, can actually possibly make you feel like I'm actually teaching against what he said over the last couple of weeks, and that's not what I'm going to do today. Um, but how many, if I was to give you a quarter, and I'd throw it to Vicki over there, and I would say, Vicki, look at the quarter, and I would say, what do you see? And she would either tell me she sees a head, or she would turn the corner, or the other side would be a tail, Right? That, that a coin has two sides to it. It has a head and it has a tail. But it's still a corner. It's still a quarter or it's still a coin, right? And so what I'm going to talk about today, Tom's been was talking last week about how, what can you, what, what can we do to lose our salvation? And what is our salvation based upon? And our salvation is based upon believing in Christ, who is our salvation. And that, that what how we lose our salvation is we literally must quit believing in that Jesus Christ is the atonement. He is, his blood is more than enough. That we must quit believing in Christ. And, and so there's this thing of the blood of Jesus literally removed my sins and I can have assurance of my salvation in Christ. I can be confident in knowing that I am deeply, deeply loved by God. And I can know that I am safe. I can know that I am secure in Christ because of what Christ has done. And it is, it, and, and our, it is by grace that you are saved. And it's not by your works. It's not by your actions that you got saved. It is by His grace and it is His atonement. It is His love that secured your heart. And we even sang about it this morning. And I really believe even that foundational principle has got to also be applied and understood 
before we really understand the topic that I'm going to talk about, because today I'm going to talk about the fear of the Lord. And if you don't understand what Tom preached about, and even when we went back all the way to Easter when we were talking about the blood of Jesus, and understanding the fullness of what Christ has done for us, I don't believe that we can really understand even the fear of the Lord properly without having that foundation. And today I'm going to begin to just touch on briefly a small part on the fear of the Lord today because I will tell you this I've been studying about the fear of the Lord for over a month now as I've went through this time of this fasting and this 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 month where we have been uh, getting ready this time where God has said don't get distracted over the summer how many will admit it was easy to get distracted this summer <laughs> well over that last month I've been really digging into the fear of the Lord and I promise you I am throwing a small pebble into the pond this morning about the fear of the Lord I'm going to be talking about one aspect of the fear of the Lord and there is so much more about the fear of the Lord that that we need to get a hold of and we need to pursue uh, if we're really going to walk the way the Lord wants us to walk are you guys with me today some of the things of the fear of the Lord that I really think is a sign in our culture that we are not walking in the fear of the Lord, and I think we even went through it this summer, is when an elder or a pastor of the church declares the word of the Lord, he said, Tom said from the pulpit, I believe God spoke to me that we are not to get distracted and we're to fast. And that literally we did not take it real, real serious. In my own heart, I struggled even getting really, really serious with that declaration. Anybody else be admit that? I did, a, I did a media fast over the last month. I have not watched any TV. I have not, all that media stuff I let go. I did a negativity fast. I, I, uh, part of my fast over the last month has been a negativity fast. And Steve Backlund from Bethel puts out a daily devotional about uh, fasting negativity. And I have been really disappointed in myself. <laughs> I have been, I have, I'm more of a negative person than I thought. You don't realize how negative you are until you start fasting it. And so I would say something, and my wonderful accountability partner, Abraham Haler, <laughs> Dad, you're being negative. Oh, thanks. Yep, that is a negative. That is something negative. Abe, thanks about that. And my wife, bless her heart, she would let me know because it becomes so familiar to us. We complain all the time in some way or another here, whether it manifests here or not. If it's here, it's in here. Even if I don't say it here, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And sometimes it would come out and sometimes it wouldn't. But when we're talking about getting ready and not being distracted and fast this summer, don't get distracted. Something God's wanting to do in the fall, get ready, get ready, pray for America. All the things that we, we were talking about, it is really, is, is God speaking to us through people or is he not? And what we do with those things really determine whether we have the fear of the Lord in our hearts or not, believe it or not. And so today I want to talk about the fear of the Lord. I want to teach on what the fear of the Lord is, what are the benefits of the fear of the Lord, and how we can reco recover or cultivate the fear of the Lord in our life. 
And, and as I get ready to start on this, you know, in American culture, the word fear has a, de- a, a certain definition that we, as soon as we think of fear, you're thinking of a rattlesnake, you're thinking of, of something that you're afraid of, right? Fear is a, a word that we, we have a certain grid that we're already thinking through. And as I go into what we're going to talk about today, I promise you the fear of the Lord is not that kind of fear. In the Greek and the Hebrew, again, there are multiple definitions of the fear, and I'm going to zero in on one today. I'm going to start with one definition, and I'm going to go into one aspect of the fear of the Lord that I believe everything comes out of. Does that make sense? And so the fear of the Lord, I believe in our culture, is a real critical thing. And I believe really, in a lot of ways, what is one of the biggest things in our culture that people are struggling with right now? Fear in general. Panic attacks are at an all-time high all-time high in America. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear and shame, fear, all kinds of fears are in our culture. Fear of financial loss, fear of failure. Fear is, a, is, a, is one of the biggest things I deal with in ministry in people's lives. Most people are making their decisions of what they're doing out of fear rather than faith. They're making decisions of how they spend money out of fear rather than out of faith. They're they're making their decisions on what what they're going to say to someone based upon fear rather than true faith. And so I believe fear is a major issue in our culture. Would you agree with me? Does anybody else here in this house ever struggle with fear? Well, I believe when we, we learn to walk in the fear of the Lord, our other fears will fade away. That's what I believe. I believe when we begin to walk in the fear of the Lord, our other fears that we have will fade away and they will become non-existent as we put the fear of God in his rightful place. We understand the fear of the Lord and that's really what I, I, where I want to go today. So today what I'm going to do is if you have a piece of, pa- piece of paper on your bulletin, I am going to go through a bunch of scriptures today that there is no way in the world you're going to be that quick in your Bible to, to go through them. And so you're going to want to write these scriptures down because I think it's what I want to what I want to start with today is in is this aspect that the fear of God should be desired, the fear of God can be taught, and the fear of God is a choice. And so we're going to make a choice today to go towards the fear of God. Today, I believe by the end of this message, there's going to be a conviction in your heart to discover for your own self what the fear of God is and what you need to do in order to get the fear of God in your heart. You're going to make a choice for the fear of God. You're going to desire the fear of God to become a greater part of your life. But I want to start with what are the benefits of the fear of the Lord because I want to begin to to deal with your choice, why it's so important to, to allow the fear of the Lord to be developed in your heart because each one of us have a portion or a little bit of the fear of God And all of us are in different places when it comes to the fear of God. I have an aspect of the fear of God in certain aspects of my life, but I promise you the fear of God needs to be matured in Eric Ehler. Does anybody believe the fear of God probably needs to be matured in your life as well? I'm going to use some examples through the Word of God, but I want to to get this desire thing going on in your heart. I I want to show you some benefits to the fear of God 
through the scripture of why the fear of God is so important in your life and why you desperately need it. And matter of fact, when I go over all these 10 benefits of the fear of God, you're going to go, oh yeah, I want that. Oh yeah, I need that in my life. Because these 10 benefits, there's 10 general benefits of the fear of God that you desperately need in your life if you're going to have a great life. Anybody want a great life now? Anybody want an amazing life? Amen. Amen. Well, let's look at these benefits of the fear of the Lord. And I'm going to, if you got your phone or whatever, if you want to write down these scriptures, we're going to hit them pretty doggone fast. Wow, how'd that do that? Okay, we're done. Everybody have a great day. May the Spirit of God bless you. Okay, the benefits of the fear of the Lord. You will receive God's compassion. Psalms 103, 13 says, So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Anybody need some compassion? What is compassion? Uh, I don't know. What is compassion, right? It, it has to do with God cares for you. His heart is towards you. He really cares about you. And his heart is, his heart is driven towards you. God will have compassion on those who fear him. Number two, the Lord's love is with those who fear the Lord. Psalms 103, 17. Number three, he delights in you. Psalms 147, 11 says that those who fear God, that the Lord delights in you. Now, I like that word delight. Does anybody else like that word delight? I delight in little Roman over here. He is a cutie. My heart is towards him. He is a delight. He is a gift from the Lord. The Lord delights in you if you have the fear of the Lord. If you have the fear of the Lord, you will have salvation, says Psalms 85.9. That sounds like a pretty good uh, benefit of the fear of the Lord. Let's advance to number five. This is a big one. You will have a great life. The fear of the Lord leads to life. That's in Proverbs 14.7. Proverbs 19.23 and Proverbs 9.11. Write these down and look them. I want, this, this is homework for you this week as you begin to desire and ask and cultivate the fear of the Lord in your life. These are powerful scriptures that I've been going over and meditating over the last month. It says the fear of the Lord gives you long life. Proverbs 10.27. Long life, with long life shall I satisfy thee is what the Word of God says, right? I love this one too. Proverbs 29, 23 says, if you have the fear of the Lord, you will be untouched by trouble. Now, that doesn't say that trouble won't come to your house. It means you won't be touched by it. It's the same scripture in the New Testament where it talks about how when the enemy comes and, and, the, and the fire comes, you will not be burned. When, the, when, the, when you're overtaken by the water, you will not drown. That the Lord will be your refuge. That he will actually, in the midst of the storm, he will be your deliverer. Amen? Amen. You'll be untouched by trouble. Number six, a benefit of the Lord. You will be blessed. Psalms 112 Verse 1, and I want to read this because I've got a whole lot. Chapter, chapter 112 of, of Psalms is a powerful, powerful passage. And I'm going to read it to you. Praise the Lord. Everybody say praise the Lord. Good job, Roman. Praise the Lord. 
Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Everybody say that. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And he finds great delight in his commands. <laughs> of course, that word delight has a lot to do with the fear of the Lord. And that word delight means to rejoice greatly over God. To greatly, to greatly rejoice over God. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord. Get this, his children will be mighty in the land. His children will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Now, now realize, 112 starts with the fear, those who fear the Lord, these things are a part of their life. Verse 4, even in darkness, so even when the enemy comes with darkness, light will dawn for the upright. God will give you light. He will show you the path in darkness. Are you with me? You will be gracious and compassionate and righteous. God will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Surely he will never be shaken. A righteous man will be remembered forever. He will have no fear of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is secure. He will have no fear. Say that with me. He will have no fear. In the end, he will look in triumph on his foes. He has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be lifted high in honor. Bless the Lord. So what I've done is I've, I've broken this down in these bullet points of what that scripture says out of Psalms 112.1. It also says it in 115 and 128. But your children will be mighty in the land. Does anybody need that? Yes. Does anybody have some children that aren't real mighty right now? Yes. Hey, a little bit of fear of the Lord is going to do you some real good. Amen. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. Is our generation being blessed right now? This young generation that we're going after. If we are the people of God and we have the fear of the Lord, we are going to bless this young generation. We're going to raise up radical, passionate, aggressive lovers of God. We are going to do that, but the fear of the Lord has got to be something that we are cultivating in our hearts. Can I have an amen? Wealth and riches will be in his house. I like that. Because God wants us to lend to many nations. God wants us to live. He wants to, us to give. He wants us to help others. Your righteousness will, be, will endure forever. Even in darkness, light will dawn for him. And I love this. You will be gracious, compassionate, righteous. Good will come to you. You will be generous and lend freely. You will conduct your affairs with justice. You will have no fear of bad news because your heart will be secure in God. Are those not some serious, serious benefits? I'm trying to create some desire in you. Does anybody want that stuff? You realize you can have that stuff, but I'm telling you, that stuff you have to go after through the fear of the Lord. 
Proverbs 24, 4. God honors and brings wealth and life to those who fear the Lord. Proverbs 24, 4 says, Humility and the fear of the Lord will bring wealth, honor, and life. Psalms 34 says, You'll lack nothing. Mm. You'll lack nothing. Mm. You'll lack nothing. He will fulfill the desires of your heart also. Number seven, you will have wisdom and direction for your life. Everybody say that with me. I will have wisdom and direction for my life. I will have wisdom and direction for my life. Psalms 25, 12, Proverbs 1, 7, 9, 10, 15, 33. I mean, they are loaded in the word of God with promises for those who fear God the Lord. I love Psalm 25. God will instruct Eric Haler. God will instruct you, Chad Lenz. Malachi 3.16 says God will listen and hear you. Does anybody feel like the windows are like uh, a brass and you can't get through to heaven sometimes? God will listen and hear you. God will give you secrets and confide in you. Do you realize what that does for me? When I think of that God gives me secrets, he confides in me. When I have the fear of the Lord in my heart, when I have the fear of the Lord in my life, does anybody need some secrets? How about that secret that you need when your child's going wayward and you need to hear a word from the Lord on what God is wanting to do and you're needing the instruction from the Lord, or when your family's falling apart and you don't know what to do, and you're going, oh my goodness, what do I do? Does anybody ever need instruction and secrets from the Lord? Downloads. When the Spirit of God comes and He, he puts something in your heart to do, and you see life come from that because you've heard from heaven. That God literally wants to give his people secrets. He wants to give them wisdom. He wants to give them insight. He wants to let you know what you need to do. When you've come to the end of yourself and you have no clue what to do. <laughs> mm, but our God has an answer. Can I have an amen on that? Amen. God has an answer for me. Say, God has an answer for me. Yes. Yes. Psalms 33, 18, God's eye will be upon you. Wow. Here's some more. You ready for some more benefits? We got 10 of them. I could have kept going. You will hate evil and avoid sin. Proverbs 8, 13, 3, 7, 14, 16, 16, 6. It's all over the Word of God, and that's where I stopped. You will hate evil and avoid sin. Matter of fact, in another scripture you might want to write down is 2 Corinthians 7, 1. I don't have it up there. But it says that we are to perfect holiness in the fear of God. That we're to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Again, holiness is tied to the fear of God. If you're having struggles in your life living holy, I promise you, you need more fear of the Lord. 
Number nine, the angel of the Lord will protect you. I have my wife, my mother-in-law, and my son Abraham already driving up to Canada right now. They left today, and they're driving up to Canada. And I just came in agreement with that word this morning. I thank you, God, that you've given your angels charge over my family. I thank you, God, that there's angels in that car with them. And I thank you, God, that you protect my family because there's a fear of you in our hearts, and we reverence you. We're going to get into what is the fear of the Lord here in a moment. You guys are quiet. You still with me? The other one, God will protect you and be a fortress for you and your children. Proverbs 14, 26. Number 10. Oops, I went past it. Oh, that's right. I didn't add it. That's right. I didn't add this. You guys have to add this one. I added this this morning. Uh-oh. It's not going backwards. I don't want you guys to read that. You quit reading that right now. <laughs> We're going to get in some New Testament examples, too. The, no, the one, number 10, that I added was, he will bless your health. And the scripture in that, I couldn't believe I'd left it out. And this morning, I was just praying, asking God to bless this time. And it was a scripture that Joel and I used years ago. And Because when you're in a struggle in your life, you've got to use the scripture. You've got to get a scripture. If you're in a struggle, you've got to get a scripture. And you've got to stand on that scripture. You've got to stand on that promise. You need to declare it. And we have it memorized. It's Proverbs 3, uh, uh, 4, or 5, and 5 through 7. And it says this. It says, fear the Lord and shun evil. And this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Fear God. Shun evil. It will be health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So if you're struggling in health, I need to cultivate the fear of the Lord, and I need to shun evil. And what ended up happening with Joel, he ended up getting all kinds of healings. He was having stress fractures at the time and all kinds of stuff in his legs. And uh, the Lord took care of that. So, the fear of the Lord gives us health. Amen. May you prosper and be in health as your soul prospers. Everybody say, my health will prosper with the fear of the Lord. Amen. So, we're gonna, now we're, we're going to look at three scriptures in the New Testament about the fear of the Lord. And then I'm going to start going into the definition of the fear of the Lord of where I want to go today. Again, the fear of the Lord is a broad broad definition. I'm going to kind of narrow it down to where we're going to start today. So in the New Testament, because the fear of the Lord is not just an Old Testament reality, it's in the New Testament as well, okay? And so in the New Testament, we have Acts 9.31, and we see what's happening in the new church as, as the birth of the church in Acts took place. It says there in Acts 9.31, then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace it was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It grew in numbers, living in the fear of the Lord. Everybody say that. Living in the fear of the Lord. The church was living in the fear of the Lord. That's good stuff. Now we're going to find out what that is. And then in Hebrews 12, 28, and this is, it goes back to even what Tom was talking about last week, because Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews, is this war about being in the Old Covenant versus the New Covenant. Was what Christ 
done? Did he fulfill the law? And was the blood of Christ enough? And so Paul is again saying, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, why can the kingdom not be shaken? Because Jesus Christ has finished the work. It's a, it's a kingdom that will not be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So I underline again, with reverence and godly fear. Everybody say that, with reverence and godly fear. We're going to go back to another Acts book, and we're going to look at what the Bible says about Cornelius. Cornelius was an amazing man, and it talks about, and really you ought to read that story. If you'll, again, if you'll look at the benefits of the fear of the Lord that we discussed, and then you put that and you go look at, at, at his life, and what happened and what he saw and the vision that he had, it's amazing because that vision came out of this thing that he feared the Lord. And so in Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And you need to read the rest of that scripture. So I want to, I want to, I want, to st- I want to go into this thing, because that's where I've been meditating and saying, God, I really want to understand. I really want to have a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord, because I really believe the body of Christ. Here's what I believe prophetically. I believe we're getting ready to move into. God has said, I, I want you to get ready. There's something that I want to do. There's a movement that I want to do. Churches in Indianapolis, churches in central Indiana, they are feeling this move of God. They're feeling that there's something going to happen. And I really believe that the Lord is going to bring a move of the fear of God. The fear of the Lord is going to come to the body of Christ. And I can, I'm, I'm prophesying there is coming a fear of the Lord and I'm declaring it I'm getting it out into the atmosphere I'm declaring it in Jesus name over Newcastle in this region the fear of the Lord is coming to this region it's coming to this church we are going to see it and it's going to make make it's going to blow our minds away there's a reverence and an awe that's going to come to the body of Christ and to this region it is coming And I want to get it out in the atmosphere. I want, to, I want to declare it from the pulpit. I want to declare it to the north, the south, the east, and the west. This region will, will be moving in God-fearing. They, they, this region will have the fear of God on it. And this is going to be a city on a hill. It's going to be a region that is known for the fear of God. It's going to be a region known for signs, wonders, and miracles. Because when you see where the fear of God takes you, they literally signs, wonders, and miracles happen. Go look at the benefits. Look at the benefits. And so we want to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? Mm. So what is the fear of God? What is God-fearing? What does the Greek and the Hebrew say that God-fearing is? And I'm going to zero in on this area, and I'm going to kind of unpack it with us. You guys want to unpack it? So what does the fear of God mean? God-fearing. That that there is the Greek word. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. Phobo meaning fear. And as you can see, it has an extra on there. It's not just fear. And so these are some of the words as you get into the 
Bible dictionary and you start to look what this word means, this overwhelming feelings of awe. Everybody say overwhelming feelings of awe. Overwhelming feelings. My feeling is affected. My feeler is affected by the fear of God. It's not something I talk about. It's something that you're going to feel. Feeling of awe, feeling of respect, feeling of reverence and amazement. Considered hallowed or exalted or to be in all of. That God is to be in all of. Hallowed be thy name. Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come. But he said, hallowed be thy name. Jesus prayed to the Father, hallowed be thy name. He taught us to put him in his reverential perspective. He taught the disciples that you must approach God in a certain way. The fire that's going on in Reading right now, fire must be approached in a certain way or it gets out of control. Electricity. You must approach electricity in a certain way or you're going to get zapped. Right? Even God says in his word he's a consuming fire. And so this foundation of what Tom has already talked about, where we can be secure in our relationship, we should not be fearing God from a standpoint of fear, as in, oh, there's a fire. The world should be afraid. But God's people should not be afraid in that aspect. God's people should be having this reverence and this awe, this amazement. The hallowed means to render sacred, to make holy, to reverence as holy, and to set him apart as one higher than what? Higher than who? Higher than who? Higher than me means I make, I let him tell me how I run my life i let him be the one who determines what i do the reverence is this thing where i place him higher than my own self his will becomes my will his ways become my ways he's more powerful than i can i have an amen on that so where's that at in your heart the amazement of God, the awe, the respect, the reverence, the amusement, the, the, the amazement of God. I'm going to give another definition a little bit later that kind of, but I want to, I want to, I want to focus on that the fear of God really does connect with our feelings. It connects with the inside of us. And when we truly have the fear of God, we have these overwhelming feelings of awe and reverence. And amazement. And here's what I want to say. The opposite of amazement is what? Think about it. If I'm amazed, oh, oh. The opposite of that is to be flippant. To make God casual. To make God like you. To put God down lower. To bring God where you're not concerned about what he thinks. To be flippant toward God, making him common or casual in our approach to him and our casual to our worship of him. See, what I think we can do is we can have a great church and we can still make God real casual. We can make God um, um, 
We can be very flippant with God if we're not careful. I'll never forget the first time I saw Niagara Falls. How many have seen Niagara Falls? I'll never forget. There's this fence on the, I think it's the American side. And the fence is like from here to maybe right there. And that water's just rushing over that edge. And, and, And there's this feeling of, Whoa! I could, I could. I, I mean, it could. It, it literally makes you feel like you're going to go over with it. it does. Yeah. I, I, I can't even explain it. I can remember when Brian and Sarah went to the Grand Canyon, and he came back. He's like, "Oh, oh, the grandeur of the canyon." But there's something about that water. But you know what? It is crazy. Do you know how many people live by the Niagara Falls and take it for granted now? They don't think it's awesome anymore. They're not amazed by it anymore. I have a mother-in-law. She lives on a nice little gravel pit in Indianapolis. Nice little, I mean, man, you look out your back door and you see water. You know how many times she looks at that water? It's there, but you don't see it. Because it's become common. It's become common. The Niagara Falls has been, become common for the people around the Niagara Falls. Anybody else had that experience in your own life where something has been amazing and awesome? And uh, Oh, hey, how about your marriage? Remember how awesome and amazing that was when you first got married? Don't you dare tell me it wasn't awesome and amazing. <laughs> I couldn't wait to be with my baby. I drove hours for that amazing woman. Hours. Hours. No sleep at all at the amazing glory of my bride. And it's still amazing and still glorious. But there has been ripples in the water where I've tried to make her common. Anybody with me? I've taken her for granted. And I've not seen her as the amazing woman of God that she really is. And she is amazing. And it's not just because she's gone to Canada. I believe it. I'm right behind you, baby. I'll be there. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. For all those that don't know, I I didn't have an updated passport, and the the date was expired, so good memory, good memory. (laughs) Here's what I want to say about God. You were created for awe and wonderment. You are created to be awed by God. You are created to go, whoa. When you see the Grand Canyon and you go, whoa, that is only a mere reflection of what he's wanting you to get vertically with him. 
It is a type and shadow. When you see the constellations in the sky, and you see the size of our universe, and you go, You are, uh, that is to definitely be breathtaking to you. You are to definitely discuss, you are created for wonder and awe and amazement. It is in your DNA. You want it. But here is the, here's where we're at with the fear of the Lord. You're created to get it vertically. And if you don't get it vertically with the creator, you will look for it horizontally with the creation. Write that down. It's a good point. If you don't get your wonder, your awe, your overwhelming feelings of awe, respect, honor, reverence from vertical relationship with God, from the Creator, you will get it from creation. You will be looking for that buzz. You will be going to look for it somewhere else and you will be disappointed because the buzz never lasts. You were meant with eyes (laughs) being gazed upward toward God. You were created to be awed. You were created to be amazed. You You were created to take your breath away. Oh, you were created to get that vertically. And here is the scary place. Because we're not getting it vertically. When you live with no wonder and no awe on the inside of you from God, Nothing impresses you. You can come to church and be bored. And you can hop from church to church looking for some new excitement, new wonderment, new awe. Oh, they're doing it better. Here's where most of the people in the body of Christ are at. Bored. Don't you do that. You're cheating. That's where a lot of people in the body of Christ are at. They're bored. Their sense of wonderment and all of God. Why don't I go to church? It's the same old, same old. Why do I why do I get excited about God? It's just It is what it is. You see, when sin takes away the sense of divine awe and wonder that you were created for, and when the awe and wonder of God is not there, I start looking for it in stuff that will destroy my life. Because I'm created for awe and wonder. I'm created to be amazed by God. You are created to be amazed by God. And you will go shopping for the buzz, just like I said. You'll go shopping for something from creation. 
You'll go on the next vacation. You'll go on the next new car run. And that car will be so amazing. Oh, gosh, did you see the wheels on that thing? Me and Abe talk about wheels all the time. Dang, those wheels are nice. And the women go, you guys in wheels. What? Now, the fabric, that's okay. No. Any guys with me out there? I mean, wheels make a car. Hubcaps are just a cheap imitation. But you can buy that new car. Man, you could get that new car smell and drive it off the lot and it goes down about eight grand. But man, am I amazed for a season until it gets dirty, until it gets all trashed on the inside, and it's like, man, I'm ready for another one. Or I can get that house that I've always longed for, and man, is it amazing, and still i got to start pulling weeds and taking care of the landscape and all that stuff, and it's like, why did I buy this thing? Oh, my gosh. Yep, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? Your family can't do it for you. A new boyfriend can't do it for you. A new girlfriend, an affair, cheating on your spouse. None of that stuff is going to awe you. Porn can't do it. Drugs can't do it. Alcohol can't do it. Nothing of creation can do it. Nothing of creation can do it. Nothing of creation can do it. It's a cheap imitation that devalues the character and nature of our God. And I'm going to preach myself happy because I'm telling you, we have all done it. We've all looked to things of creation to fill that awe and that excitement inside of our hearts. And it can't satisfy. Say, it can't satisfy. It can't satisfy, it can't satisfy me. <laughs> How many people get excited about going to a restaurant? Man, I can't wait to try that, those baby back ribs. Can't wait to try that filet. I can't wait. Oh, man, I've heard that restaurant's awesome. Really? Are we that shallow? Well, you didn't have to answer me. The house, the job, maybe if we have a baby, maybe we change churches, maybe we do this, maybe we do that. I mean, the, the quest for awe and a wonderment is in every one of us. And we are so, I mean, Cedar Point and Kings Island have nothing on amusement. They're called amusement parks. They have nothing on God. Niagara Falls, as beautiful as it is, and amazing in power and, and terror, if I was ever falling those rapids. <laughs> but God's a lot like fire. It's, he, he's, he, he's, it's meant to warm you. It's meant to provide food for you. He is meant to bring wonderfulness to you. But without reverence him and without understanding who he is and his nature, fire can also be very dangerous for you. And so how do we get to this place where we are amazed at the right things? Because all those things that I talk about from Grand Canyon to 
Grand Cayman, to Hawaii, to all the amazing places on earth that God has displayed to reflect his glory, to reflect who he is, to show us how amazing, how powerful, how omnipotent, how grandeur he is. All that stuff is to show us and point us to him and get the boredom off of our hearts. <laughs> How do we get the awe and amazement of God? How do, we, how do we get to a place where the inferior pleasures of this world are just like, ugh, no thanks? How do I get my wonderment and my amazement vertically so that I don't look elsewhere for it? How do we do that? I think we got to discover his greater greatness. I think we got to discover God's greater greatness. I think we've got to, to go on a quest to be amazed and amused and touched by him. I think we I think I think we got to repent. I know I've been doing that over the last several weeks. If I'm going to recover and cultivate the fear of the Lord and the awe of God in my own life, I've been repenting of some idolatries in my life, some things I hold pretty important and highly valued in my life that are relationships this way from creation rather than vertically with my God. I've been saying things, oh God, forgive me for worshiping created things rather than you, the creator. I've been saying, God, forgive me for getting my awe and amazement from things that have no capacity to fascinate me long term. They give me a little blurp on the view screen, but then it's gone. It's like a leech. <laughs> a leech always wants more and more as he gets hooked on your, you ever had one of those? They get hooked on you and they keep sucking and sucking and sucking until these leeches are huge. They always want more blood, don't they, Chad? Well, that's what it's like when the world has the opportunity, when the world's sucking on you to get you, is it doesn't want to let go, and you always have to have more and more fascination, more and more highs, more. The next high's got to be higher. That's why drug addicts eventually die in OD, because they've got to have more, they've got to have more, they've got to have more to fascinate. They want that next high. They want that next fascination. They want to get into that next place, that next experience. And it ends up killing them. Isn't that what the Bible says? That sin, when it's given full, full-blown reign in your life, it gives birth to death. You know, here's what I want to be careful because I don't want to. I don't want to beat people. But it's amazing. We will skip church. We will skip out on worship. We will skip out on prayer. And we will skip out on reading the word of God for a ball game. We'll skip out on worshiping the king of glory. Praying to him. Reading his word. 
for a meal, for a birthday party. I've done it, and you've done it. John Piper says, the fear of the Lord is an awesome awareness, an overwhelming feeling of awe that you are in the presence of a holy God who is just and almighty and that he will hold you accountable for your motives. He will hold you accountable for your thoughts, your words, and your actions. To fear God is to desire to live in harmony with his righteous standards and to honor him in all that you do. So the thing that I feel in my heart that I've been walking through is I've been repenting and asking God to forgive me for desiring an easy life. For desiring less work. For desiring pleasure. Rather than the Creator. Just a little snapshot. Anybody else want that? Would you close your eyes just for a moment? Would you ask the Spirit of God of what you need to repent of? What has been taking your awe and your reverence and your excitement? What have you been focused on that has been more important than the awestruck glory and presence of God? Where have you been flippant towards God? Where have you made him common? Where have you put yourself higher than him? Because I believe one of the first things that we need to do to recovering the fear of the Lord is to see where we have not placed him in awe and reverence in our own heart. And what has taken the place? What has been the artificial pleasures in your life that have been getting the excitement and the awe that you were created to have towards God? What is taking, what is the artificial replacement? Is it things? Is it people? Is it a relationship? Is it what people think of you? Is it something else? And if it is, you've got to give that to the Lord. And you have to say, God, I'm sorry. God, I repent. God, forgive me for getting my awe and my amazement from other things 
rather than from you. Because the other things have no capacity. They have no capacity to awe you. They have no capacity to satisfy your heart. And give it to the Lord. The first step is repentance. The first step is saying, God, forgive me. The first step is, God, I'm sorry. Would you do that? Would you tell him right now? Every one of you, you know what that place is. Father, we repent for taking you for granted. Father, we repent for putting other things above you. Father, we repent of trying to get the awe and the reverence, our amazement, our excitement, our, our amusement and fascination from other things. Lord, forgive us. Lord, turn our hearts. Father, turn our hearts to get that from you. Father, I thank you for that. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to renew our mind in how we see you as we lay these other inferior pleasures, these inferior things down. We put them at your feet and we say, God, we turn from them and we turn to you, Almighty God. We turn to you, Amazing One. We turn to you, Almighty King. And we want to put you in your rightful place so that we can have wisdom for the hour. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. Deal with our hearts, Father. Even this week, deal with our hearts. Deal with our hearts. Deal with my heart, God. And I'm going to have Jeff play a song I have a couple more points that I feel like the Lord wants me to make, but make them more briefly than what I intended to make them. Because I feel the presence of the Lord convicting us. But now what I believe God wants us to do as we've repented and we've asked God to forgive us, I want to I I take us through a song that's going to help us to set our affection and to set our all on God. My second point that I was going to make, and I want to briefly just make it before we watch the video, is if we're going to move into the fear of God, we've got to discover His greater greatness. Because in the definition of all and amazement, in that definition of what the fear of God is, literally, it, again, it means an awe, awe is the overwhelming feeling of reverence and admiration and fear but it says that is produced by grandeur 
or extreme power. That the fear of God, the awe of God is actually produced by his grandeur, his power, his amazing power and grandeur. And so if we're going to move into the fear of God as a people, we've got to rediscover the grandeur of God. We've got to rediscover the power, the the amazing power of our God. I mean, can you imagine in the New Testament when Ananias and they they, they lied about selling the land that they had, they'd sold land and they brought it before the disciples' feet and they both dropped dead because they lied to the Holy Spirit. The fear of God came through the disciples. The fear of God came through that place and man, people began to get saved. Miracles and signs started to happen. But there was this fear of God. There was this reverence of, oh my, you are almighty God. You are amazing. Can you imagine the children of Israel when the, when the Red Sea parted and they walked through on dry ground and they go, dang, did you see that, Joe? Oh, oh, I I remember when God restored my son's legs, the miracle that took place just um, just immediately within an hour, how God restored it. It's like, oh, oh, this place was packed that Sunday, packed with the reverence of God and almighty God. And oh, look what God had done. And then God, everybody made him common again. Then everybody made him common again. Paralyzed for three months and immediately miraculously healed. Oh, whoa, God, look what you've done. You're amazing. We've got to rediscover the power and the grandeur of our God. Can I have an amen on that? He is so much better than the Grand Canyon. Can I have an amen on that? He is more amazing than Niagara Falls. He, is, he, he created the Niagara Falls. He created, he created the Grand Canyon. He created the constellations. He said, he spoke it. Let there be light, boom, sun. We cannot forget who our God is. He's a consuming fire. He's amazing. He is omnipotent. He knows all things. The world's trying to say he doesn't exist. It's a bunch of hogwash. The world's pushing on your children and saying the Bible is not real. Oh my goodness, if the church would return to the fear of God, what would happen in our culture? What would take place in our schools? We've got to rediscover the greatness of our God. We've got to rediscover his majesty. We've got to rediscover his grandeur. We've got to rediscover his excellency. We've got to rediscover who he is. Can I have an amen on that? And then we're going to watch the video. Psalms 33.8 says, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Stand in awe. Come on, let's stand up. We're going to play this song, and we're going to allow this song to begin to... I'm just asking that the Spirit of God would begin to create in our hearts His grandeur, His excellence, His that we would begin to rediscover the fear of the Lord, the reverence of our God, His almightiness, that we would begin to rediscover, and we would stand 
not just today, that we this week, that you would begin to take those scriptures, you would begin to pray, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock, ask, seek, knock. You would ask God to, to fill you with the fear of God, that you would pursue his grandeur, that you would get in his word and begin to understand the beauty of who he is, that you would begin to meditate on his splendor rather than the artificial things of this world. And that you begin to worship him in spirit and in truth. Jeff, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and play that. If you could dim the lights a little bit. I really want to just encourage you right now. Part of discovering God is to ask him to show him your glory. To show you his glory. To ask him. Father, would you show us your glory? Father, would you begin to do a work in our heart with the awe and the splendor of your name, the beauty of your holiness. This is how we cultivate the fear of the Lord by worshiping his excellency by putting him in his rightful place, by asking him to show us, asking him to open our hearts. Father, we ask, show us your glory. You are amazing, God. Go ahead and sing it. Go ahead and make this your prayer today. reverence him be in awe of him be amazed by your god the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom oh god fill us with the fear of god the reverence of your name touch our emotions oh god we want to know your glory we want to know you Show me your glory. God, we ask it. Show us your glory. Oh, God. Show us your glory, oh, God. Show me your glory, oh, God. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. Lord, we want to see your glory. We want to see the beauty of who you are, God. God, we believe that. We declare it, God. We sing majesty. Grace has found me just as I am. Empty-handed but alive in your hands. Majesty. Oh, majesty. Wherever I am 
changed by your love in the presence of your majesty. has found me just as I am, empty-handed but I love your hands, man, you are almighty God, majesty. I am changed by your love in the presence of your majesty. 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 You're amazing, God. Father, may we get our awe and our amazement from you as we declare your majesty, your holiness. We worship you, O oh God. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the beginning and the end. worship you, O oh God, as a people. We love you, God. Oh God, we want to put you in your rightful place. Forgive us. You are amazing. Consuming fire. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord. Thank you for your amazing love. There is no lover like you. Thank you, Jesus. You are King of Kings. Forever we praise you, Father God. Lord, fascinate our hearts. This week, Father, fascinate our hearts. As we come to worship you at home, as we come to worship you, God, fascinate our hearts. Father, we surrender again to your Lordship. 
Father, I pray this week that, God, you would begin to kindle the fear of the Lord in our hearts, the awe and the wonderment, your greater greatness this week, Father. Father, we thank you for that. We praise you, God, for who you are. We stand in awe of you, God. We stand in awe of you. You are the amazing one. Father, I pray that as we seal this service, Lord, that God, we would not take you for granted. We would not be bored Christians. That we would begin to pursue you in this hour, not being distracted by the inferior pleasures of this world that have no capacity to wow us that have no capacity to satisfy our hearts like you do. Father, we thank you for those being water baptized this, today. Father, I thank you that you're wowing them and you're amazing them with your love. I pray, God, that you would bless them in their commitment and their walk with you. That, Father, you would begin to show them the fear of God and the amazement of who you are as you've loved them so graciously. Father, go with us. May the peace of God go with us today. May he guard your heart and your mind in Christ. May he renew your mind in seeing him for who he really, really is. May he display his splendor and his awestruck wonder. You are created for wonder. You are created to be awed by God. May he awe you this week. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,